And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. On this Saturday morning, we're on the 10th of October, Pork, at 10, 10, 20, you know. A 10, 10, 20, oh, I like that. That's a fertiliser, actually. 10, 10, it's 20. A fer- <laughs> I, d- I did invite some agricultural type songs earlier this morning, right. but there was none forthcoming, okay. so we quickly moved on. 10, 10, 20, anyway, yeah. 10, 10, 20 is where we're at today. And the weather is, is absolutely fabulous. They, some of the, the uh, local farmers were reminding me this time last year, they'd actually put their cattle in because the weather was so wet and so miserable. We had such a miserable autumn last September and October and uh, you're even driving up this morning mm. areas that would you, you would normally see water at this time of year are still quite dry and cattle are out feeding in, in uh, you know pasture yeah. that would normally be it's semi-covered. A, it's kind of funny, I suppose, almost when restrictions kind of come back in to force, we seem to get better weather. I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe the gods are looking down on us slightly in some capacity. Anyway. Well, it's we great gardening we weather. Won't, we won't dwell on that too much. It is great gardening weather, yeah, absolutely. Really so where maybe previous years we might have been a bit limited in what we could be doing um, on the 10th of October. This the, year, not quite absolutely. so. Absolutely. There's so much. The weather conditions are absolutely ideal for the planting of all plants um, and, and in particular um, hedging plants. So for listeners that are thinking of putting in maybe some hedging in the next couple of weeks, we're coming into that traditional time, mid-October, right through until March is the hedging planting time. Um, for two reasons. One, you're coming into the what we call the bare root season. So once we hit November, hedging plants and fruit trees and trees in general are available as bare rooted, where they're literally dug out of the soil and can be planted because they're dormant. Mm. But in October, early October, it's the time of year to start preparing Preparation, preparation for the planting later on in November. And indeed, you can plant hedging plants now. But I often think the selection of hedging plants is like sele- selecting a puppy or a dog. You've <laughs> got to get it right because if you make the wrong choice, yeah. if you select the same Bernard for the apartment, it just doesn't work. And you've got 15 years commitment. And the same applies with hedging plants. You've got to pick the right hedge to suit the location and to, lo- to suit the size and the purpose of what you're trying to do. So, you know, take some advice, really. Don't rush in. The common thing is to put in something fast growing like laurel or lilandii or macrocarp or something that's going to give you an overnight hedge. But unfortunately, that plant continues to be quite vigorous then for many, many years and causes lots of work and and uh, trouble down the road. So take the time to select the plant to suit the purpose of the hedge and also bear in mind the location. So if you're in a seaside area, obviously you've got to pick a plant that's going to be salt tolerant, wind tolerant and put up with the elements that you get in seaside conditions. Inland, if you're doing a nice little courtyard, a nice sheltered garden, you want something relatively slow growing, evergreen. Think plants like Portuguese laurel are beautiful and easy trimmed, easy maintained. They're well behaved. They never get out of hand. We never get any negative questions about Portuguese laurel, except where they're planted in open, windy spots which doesn't suit them. Right. So it's very important to pick, just because you like a plant doesn't mean, just because the puppy is cute <laughs> doesn't mean all it's cute. not going to grow into a monster <laughs> right. in, in a couple of years' time. So it's a really about picking the right plant to suit the right location. And this time of year is a really good time to start thinking about hedging plants. In terms of soil preparation, it's a good idea if you're putting hedges into areas where there might be weeds or grass at the moment to get rid of that. So say it's going into a lawn area, my advice is to trim the lawn quite tightly, put it down the blades quite low, trim, trim off that area that you intend to plant, treat it with a little bit of the wheat, wheat free 360, that'll take about a week to work and once then 
that has happened, you're mm-hmm. ready to plant. And that means that you have no competitive weeds and grass growing up around the base of the hedge. You've got nice clean soil um, to plant your hedge into and obviously clean soil going into the spring of next year. And do remember that planting any plant at this time of year in October, November, the roots continue to grow all winter long. So by putting a plant in now, you're actually gaining three to four months of root activity that you won't get if you plant in the springtime. So autumn planting, particularly with the soil conditions we have at the moment, is highly advisable and it's highly beneficial as well because simply the plant has a better root structure going into the spring of next year. Um, So albeit that you're not seeing any new growth on top, Mm. underneath the soil because soil temperatures rarely vary you know between summer and winter there's very very little in the in the uh, level of, of soil temperatures and therefore the roots of plants continue to grow all winter long so you've got a really strong plant so certainly with hedging plants my advice is to get uh, get the soil ready now take some time go into your local garden centre bring in the pictures of the area that you intend to plant and get their advice in terms of the various because there's such a myriad of different plants from hollies to Portuguese laurel to Iliagnus, Griselinias, loads and loads of different plants that are suitable for hedging, but you've got to get the right one because yeah. it's a lifetime. Once you put it in, <laughs> you're stuck with it. You're for, stuck with it unless you get to temperatures of minus 20 or exactly. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it dies or anything. And, and I see you time and time again, people picking plants that are too vigorous for locations that should have something slower growing or alternatively picking something that looks really pretty in the garden centre but when you put it out into the elements it just, you know, and Portuguese laurel would be a good example of that it won't tolerate a lot of wind and, and uh, rough conditions It's I like to describe it as an urban it's an urban it's hedge an ur- it needs yeah. that kind of sheltered uh, nice soil conditions and it has that look about it too really. it's a beautiful it's plant. Ca- yeah, yeah you know, but it has that urban sort of uh, shaped look about it, it has. Uh, the leaves and everything yeah, so, like a, nearly yeah. like a box and boxwood would be kind of something similar yeah. um, so, uh, but so, so hedging in particular think about that um, again we're into the final few weeks for sowing lawns so if listeners are considering sowing lawns remember they will germinate at 10 degrees Celsius. We're seeing 14, 15 degrees um, and, and all next week again and soil conditions are just perfect for sowing new lawns. Wildflower seed in particular uh, again should be sown this weekend or in this coming week if you can and mix some spring bulbs in with that. It's also tulip planting time. Tulips are actually one of the bulbs that we plant late in the season. So normally from the middle of October through to the end of November is tulip planting time. So if you want a few tulips in the mm. spring and so many varieties like the Darwin for varieties are lovely for cutting. If you want something with a nice long stem and a beautiful big flower, look for the Darwin series of uh, tulips in your local garden centre. Now do remember that we'll grow up to two feet in height but they give superb cut flowers or if you want height maybe in a herbaceous border before the rest of the plants the lupins and so on start to grow those Darwin series are really really good but if you want something short, Red Riding Hood is a lovely short variety only grows six inches in height, lovely in pots and containers. Cape Cod is another really short variety with, uh, again, a two-tone fl- flower. It's got yellow and red in the flower. Uh, Cape Cod, really nice one. Gluck, G-L-U-C-K, okay, is nice. another really nice short variety. So there's lots of really short varieties, as, as they are in Narcissi, like Tate Tate and mm. February Gold for pots and containers. So if you want a bit of colour, you know, my advice is to get the bulbs really in this coming week, because after that, the selection won't, just won't be there in garden centres. And um, hyacinths for Christmas, again, really, this is the weekend. They need six to eight weeks out of doors 
uh, and then about three weeks indoors to flower. So that's roughly what eight, that's roughly 11 weeks. So they're going to, you need to, if you want them for Christmas around the Christmas period, mm. you really need to plant them now. Um, and as I said before, simply put them in pots, get the kids to do this because they're so easy to plant. You literally just cover them and chuck them into the pot, put some soil on top of them or compost, leave them outside for six or eight weeks, bring them in and they'll come into flower then at Christmas time. And, and they give such a fabulous scent. And for schools, it's a great project for schools as well because you can have them outside in the schoolyard for the couple of weeks, then bring them in around, you know, late November, early December and you'll have them in flower then over that Christmas, Christmas period. period yeah. You know, a nice little novel. And the other job I will be doing, even though it's an indoor job, is repotting houseplants. So this week I actually repotted one of my own chilli plants. Okay. So one of the fruiting chilies. Yeah. And there was still loads of fruit in it, so I took all the, the fruit off repotted it, cut it back, repotted it into fresh compost with, with some little bit of slow-release fertiliser and popped it back on the windowsill. And over the, the winter months, it's actually going to green up. It'll probably come back into flower again. And I'm looking to have some chilies, hopefully for Christmas, maybe into January. How That's the project. Does it get any more exotic? <laughs> well, it's just something different. So I thought, yeah, well, that's a good idea. So it is actually a great time of year yeah. for repotting houseplants in general. And we had a few questions about the Christmas cacti last weekend. And we um, had that Chefalaria, was it? Chefalaria, the, yep. the umbrella tree yeah, as well. So this is a really good time in October to repot. Now, repotting doesn't necessarily move, main, move them into a bigger pot. You can repot plants. If you've got a plant that's in a fairly big pot and you don't want to move it on to a thing, just simply take it out of its pot, shake off any excess compost mm. that's there, get some fresh potting compost, add a little bit of slow-release fertiliser and repot it back into the same pot. So it's happy enough in the size of the pot. pot. It just needs fresh soil. It really. just needs some fresh soil. So get rid of some of the old soil, kind of scuffle it and give it a bit of a shake and, and you know, tease out some of the old compost and give the root system a good old shake up and repot it back into it. Now that's if it's in a fairly big pot. The mm. chilli plant that I potted, I, I was move debating. It, move it up one or will not? I, will I leave it in the one that's in? And I, I actually moved it up a size, uh, but I could have actually repotted into the same pot. So you don't, repotting doesn't necessarily mean having to get a bigger pot you can actually repot into the into if it's in a large pot already so don't worry about doing that but this is the time of year for the repotting of plants and the bringing back indoors of any tender plants like geraniums uh, the Christmas cacti that we mentioned I, that's the sort of jobs but look at the weakest promise relatively drive, dry so you know keep gardening it's the safest place to be Keep trimming the lawns, you know, trimming back your, your fruit trees at this time of year. Roses are still in flower. They won't need any pruning. Deadhead them, certainly. Yeah. Keep them tidy. But don't do any heavy pruning to November. But there's lots of things that people can be doing, particularly planting. The planting Plant. of plants, trees, shrubs, hedging. It's really great planting weather. Yeah, and I think people might be very pleased if they do want to take a bit of planting because come springtime uh, we may all need that little bit of a boost, well, uh, you know, in terms of the colour and the bit of variety and the flowers in the garden, so a perfect opportunity yeah, to get and it I tuned into Monty Don last night and he was potting up some spring bulbs and, it, you know, he was making that point that it's you know, gardening is always about the forward you know, thinking about the... I suppose we're, we're optimists, aren't mm. we, us gardeners? Because you're always planting something that's going to flower in the spring. And bulbs, he was planting up various types of bulbs and just making that point that, you know, he just planted them up simply in terracotta pots. Um, he did it the RHS way with the grit and the, you know, making it really... The paralyzed. Per, the perfect, yeah, the perfect. <laughs> but, uh, but he was just making that point about planting up some bulbs, looking forward to colour in February, March. His point was, we'll probably need a bit of a cheer-up I, I think, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking as and well. 
well, and that's if, what he was doing. If was, we continue in the vein that we're in at the minute, yeah, he yeah. was planting up some lovely scented uh, narcissi um, and and hyacinths and uh, something else. I can't remember which escaped my memory, but and just li- literally potting them up, leaving them outside, and they will come into flower then in February, March of next year, and something to look forward to. Yeah. And literally, ten minutes, you got yourself your pots it. done. Yeah, simple. Easy. And they look after themselves Stick over the winter. Stick them outside, yeah. forget yeah. about them. Yeah. And then in February, you've got a, this beautiful show of colour. Now, uh, we were talking about the smell of the hyacinths uh, for growing for Christmas, but you've arrived in studio uh, this morning with uh, not plants, but some soaps. A and gift. A, a gift. gift. For Deirdre oh, and, wow. and one for Teresa as well. Oh, lovely. Um, so the artisan uh, weekends are happening yeah. in Horkins over the, the last couple of weeks. And um, so I'm gathering uh, the cool and soaps people are there this weekend. They are indeed. And, and uh, Clements and, and Beth are, are the two ladies uh, that actually make these soaps and they're absolutely beautifully they're lovely I mean even if you never use them they're ab- absolutely beautifully uh, crafted and, and the packaging is lovely on them as There's well There's a stunning smell this is a lavender a woodsy lavender um, and it really has that gorgeous uh, really true sense of lavender sometimes uh, things can you know soaps can be I don't know some don't always capture the exact smell but I'll yeah. tell you that is absolutely a fabulous gorgeous? whiff of lavender Yeah, and lavender is a great plant because it, it particularly for people that have any kind of sleep disorder or lavenders which just puts you away uh, but it's a, it's a lovely lovely product and um, they make it up in Clonbur in County Galway um, cooling it comes the name comes from the lake that's there and, and the water that they use in, in the soap um, in, the, in the soap I was going to say a factory it's not a factory they make it it's handmade at home and they use the, the water from there and it's all natural products and it's um, environment friendly product as well so both Clements and, and Beth are in the store uh, over the weekend chatting to people about the various types of of uh, soaps and uh, she offered me some lovely shaving soap okay. as well and hand creams and all sorts of products. Lots but of different products. Yeah, love, and it's just, I suppose, typical of, of some of the people that are in the craft uh, centre that they're every Saturday and Sunday. It's all local people making local products um, beautiful products and uh, they're getting a great re- reaction as well. And you were saying that these ladies have a chemistry background or a science background? Clemens has. She, yeah, she has a, a, a science background and where she brings that whole science element to, to the soaps. And, yeah, because sometimes we forget, of course, that all of this kind of is based in, in, in science. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, a lot but, of these kinds of products. Yeah, and, and they do it though in, a, in an organic mm. and, in a, in a, and a friendly and environment friendly way, but the product is ab- absolutely beautiful and we're getting a great reaction to it. So it's just to remind people the, the Artisan Weekend runs every Saturday and Sunday in Horkins in Turlock and we have to offer the space and, and the, the facilities to the, to the teams. There's generally 10 or 11 people. For October, it tends to be more crafty products. So like the, the soaps and, um, you know, various different craft products. And then as we come into November, we'd start introducing some of the foodies, the local food producers, and, and right up to Christmas, it'll run every weekend. So if you're knocking about and you want to spend an hour uh, admiring the products and, and chatting to the people, then do drop Just in every, every Saturday and Sunday. Okay, well, Cool and Soap's definitely a, a lovely, product, a lovely and product and nice, yeah. nice to see, nice to get a, a whiff of it in studio this morning. So we're going to talk about uh, planting carrots in a raised bed uh, made up of potting compost. We ended up with five foot high foliage and very little carrots. We're wondering, was the compost too rich? Next year, can we replant carrots into the same compost or do we need to replace the compost? Well, it depends what compost was used. I mean, carrots will definitely, uh, you'll damage the tops of carrots if you use any sort of 
organic matter, you know, rotted manure, farmer manure, um, anything that's fresh, a fresh compost. So if the, if the top of the carrot is damaged in any way and, and organic matter can damage it and, and, um, and basically you get that stunting so you get the, the root won't, won't develop and you get all this foliage on top. So where compost is very rich, you will definitely get this effect. Generally, carrots should go into ground that has, you may have grown potatoes or, ca- or cabbage or a more vigorous crop the previous year right. and then carrots go into that piece of soil. Generally for carrots, just a light dressing of something like Vitex Q4, the, the granulated fertiliser, um, after you sow the seed, um, that's really enough to keep them going. So if the compost is too rich, then definitely. I would be inclined to put something different in there this year, maybe some lettuce or some cabbage or something that's non-related to, to carrots, a non-root crop, as it were, into that area and put the carrots into Fresh, fresh soil or somewhere that you may have grown uh, uh, potatoes in particular if you, can, if you can put carrots to follow a crop of potatoes that's the ideal because the potatoes have burst up the soil they've also taken a lot of the heavy nutrition out of the soil that carrots don't particularly need and uh, so generally in, rop, in crop rotation carrots follow potatoes okay okay Great that's stuff. a general rule. That's a general rule. Excellent. Um, now, I bought a beautiful potato vine yeah. uh, from Horkins Garden Centre during oh. the week. Okay. I forgot to ask a member of staff if it's poisonous to animals. Cattles and donkeys is what we're concerned with here. Okay. So, so first of all, this is um, the potato vine. It's related to our potato. So it's a sol- solanum. Um, and there's a beautiful, this Alba uh, jasminoides, which is a white flowering version. And there's one called Glasnevin, named after the Botanic Gardens oh, in lovely. Dublin. Now, now, it is a fantastic climbing plant simply because it flowers for about five months of the year. Beautiful plant, easy to grow. Um, it, it's more kind of a wall shrub, I suppose, than a, but it will. So it needs trellis, it needs support. It'll grow mm. 10 feet in height. It's still in flowering gardens at the moment. But like all plants in the uh, potato family, they can be poisonous to pets in particular um, and you know with donkeys and, and larger animals definitely if they ate the whole plant a large amount of it it could cause uh, it, it is toxic it's toxic to yeah. them okay. so fine for, for general garden use and, and all that but where you have cats and dogs and, and uh, you don't want them eating digesting the um the, uh, the, the the foliage, the, 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 leaves. the, plant, the yeah. leaves of the plant in particular, yeah. So try to plant it somewhere where they're, they're not going to get at it, um, if, if possible. But it is an absolutely beautiful climbing plant. It's one of my favourite. It's one I'm not familiar with yeah, at all, yeah. so ja- we'll have to go look at that Jasmine is, as the name suggests, it's jasmine-like white flowers. Now, they're not scented, but they absolutely flower for months and they're they're still in full flower at the moment. And then Glasnevin is a beautiful purple flowering form with the yellow centre. It's a really attractive one as well. Oh, sounds um, gorgeous. But it, and it's and such an easy plant to grow. doesn't actually suffer from the, the kind of diseases that we normally associate with potatoes, even though it's in the same so family. So it doesn't suffer from blight no, or no, anything I've like that? I've never seen it with blight or even mildews or anything. It's just a really easy and it's quite a vigorous plant. You know, anything up to eight, ten feet, is, it's comfortable to grow to. Okay, great. I must uh, look Solanum, out for that. Yeah. Solanum. Okay, potato l- vine is, is a good name for it. The, some of my tomatoes, we've got a photograph here of yeah. some tomatoes and some strawberry plants, pork, okay. and they appear to be in a tunnel from what I can see there yeah. uh, in the background of the photograph. So tomatoes went black even though the tree or the plant itself was perfectly healthy. Is there anything that would cause this? And then separately, the strawberries uh, produced no crops, although the leaves were very green and healthy. So they're wondering, is there an underlying cause on this? And then thirdly, there's a question about blackberries. 
blackberry bushes and what's the procedure to prepare them for next year? Okay, so you're coming to the time of year with blackberries to to uh, just prune them back. If these are like the wild blackberries um, or you can get a cultivated form, you can get the uh, thornless variety. Simply with, with blackberries, berries, once you take the fruit off them, you prune out the stems that carry the fruit and leave the young developing shoots to grow on. Uh, so that can be done at this time of year. Looking at the pictures of the strawberries, they actually look like they're in the pots for some time, that they could be older plants and there's quite a lot of foliage on them and uh, I think it could be a time, and, and this would actually be a great time of year, to divide those up and, and split them up and, and make smaller plants of them and repot them back into to new pots again and start start kind of strawberries are good for about three years four years and after that they start to get they start to stop fruiting right. they just get too old kind of five four to five years is really the extent strawberry plants start to diminish after that so you tend to propagate them every couple of years and start new plants off again looking at the tomato plant in the pot it's actually quite heavy there's a lot of foliage on the plant I'm just wondering did the listener take the side shoots off um, and there is some disease on the leaves. You see the leaves are brown there and yes. shriveled. Um, so, so there is some disease uh, on the leaves. So it's, it's very, ideally, tomato plants need to be grown on a cane with lots of air getting in at the fruit. And you remove the lower branches as the fruit is developing. Because where you get a lot of foliage like this, you, you're encouraging disease on the fruit as well. And they'll go brown and black in colour. So if anything, as the plant is growing, you take off the lower branches or the lower leaves to allow the light and allow the air movement and, and you keep the actual tomatoes quite naked of leaves whilst they're, the fruit is ripening because you want to let the light and the air in at the fruit and that keeps A, it gets them to ripen quicker but B, it also stops any disease problems like this. Okay. So just really those, what I would do with the tomatoes now is harvest any fruit that are on them, get rid of the plants, don't put them on your compost heap, just burn them or, or put them into the bin and get rid of them and then obviously it, you know January, February you'll be starting them off again with the strawberries I would split them now divide them up and repot them into new pots and the blackberries prune them prune them back okay well that'll keep that'll Just keep that listener busy. very busy for uh, the next while now should bulbs and pots be stored outdoors I have mine in a glass house now but they're not getting any water or rain they're daffodils tulips and crocuses yeah no they'll, they'll actually be okay in the greenhouse now you do need to water them uh, but the temperatures will be fine I mean I did say put them outside and, and you know you can put them outside as, as well and leave them outside but a greenhouse is cold enough at this time of year from now on for, for them to get that chill period so no problem at all, leave them in the greenhouse. Do keep them moist but not too wet. So kind of simulate the type of outdoor uh, wet conditions we're having at the moment. So mm. they don't want to be excessively wet but they do need to be moist. And it's no harm to check them, maybe in a month's time. Just lift one of the bulbs and just see and there should be a mass of white roots coming out from the plant. But they're perfectly fine in the greenhouse. I would leave them there. Keep them well watered. Now when I say well watered once a week at most mm. is all that's required. Uh, but do keep the compost moist and um, they'll be perfectly fine and they'll, they'll grow perfectly naturally. Now as we go into February the temperatures will start to warm up the greenhouse then move them out because you, they, you'll end up getting taller. You know, if they should be six inches they'll end up at, at 12 inches right. tall. So move them out particularly as we come into the, the spring of next year. But for now keep them in the greenhouse. They'll take Perfectly them. happy, yeah. Now, wondering, uh, we were talking there at the start, you gave quite a good, a lot of information about the importance of selecting hedges in the right location. And here's probably an example of that. Uh, what hedge is neat and easy to maintain? We had Portuguese laurel, but it got burnt because we live near a lake. Well, there you go. 
that's what I was saying. So, well, if you want something that's really tough and hardy where you're getting a lot of wind, I don't think you'll beat the Iliagnus, which is lovely silver leaves, or the apple green, the Grisolinia. Uh, which again tolerates the wind really well. Escalonia is also quite good, the pink flowering Escalonia. They tolerate the salt air or the, the windy conditions. Um, green privet does quite well as well. The green privet, we featured it here in the programme a couple of weeks back. Um, green privet is one of those plants that's semi-evergreen. So in cold, windy weather, they drop their leaves, but that's a natural protection. They come back into leaf again. So for me, the hardiest would be the Iliagnus, followed by um, either the Escalonia or Grisolinia in terms of, of um, evergreen plants. And then green privet would be also a good choice in, in windy areas. Okay, great. Somebody's wondering, uh, when can you sow a Guernsey lily? Normally, all the lilies are generally planted in January, February sort of period. So really, at this time of year, what you're dealing with are all the summer bulbs. Uh, so, you know, or sorry, all the spring bulbs. So the daftas, the crocuses, the winter aconites that start flowering for December through to the end of May. All the summer flowering bulbs you plant in January, February. So the dahlias, all the varieties of Guernsey lilies, arum lilies, all the various oriental lilies will all be available once we get into the early weeks of January. Okay. Generally pot them up indoors, start them off and then plant them out. So uh, the question there was a second to that was, uh, do you stock them? Well, it's yeah. not in stock yet, but no, will. No, no, but Jan- January, February. Yeah, that's absolutely. The time to okay, great. Um, cutting back the cherry blossom tree. Well, all cherries, you you prune anything with a stone fruit. It's anything in the, in the cherry plum family. They're pruned immediately after flowering. So don't touch them at this time of year because they actually bleed over the winter period and you open them up to a disease called silver leaf. So all pruning of cherries, plum trees, even ornamental cherries is done immediately. The flower fades. So as soon as you see the flowers, the first flowers hitting the floor, that's the time to prune them back. Okay. Now I have a lot of geranium bedding plants that gave me great colour during the summer, which is great. Can I save them for next year? Yes, you can. I mean, the easiest way to save them, and and here's a good example of any kind of tender plant like geraniums, like salvias and so on. Now is a great time to take cuttings from them. So just literally take six inch cuttings, uh, strip off the leaves, take off the flowers, dip them into a little bit of rusha powder. With geraniums, leave them to dry when you take the cutting. Don't insert them for at least 24 hours into the... So take the cutting, strip them prepare them, leave them then to the following day, dip them into the rooting powder and put them into a mixture of perlite and compost, a really gritty mixture. You'll fit a dozen cuttings into a small pot, you know, a pot the size of a teacup and literally cover them with a polythene bag, sit them on a windowsill and they'll root within about a month, six weeks. I would leave them there, take the bag off them then, leave them there for the winter period and then just start them off again next season. So the easiest way is just rather than trying to save the big plant itself, and where do you put it and where do you store it and you know yeah. trying to look after it you'd have to dig it up and put it into a pot would, if it's you know, in a garden yeah. and you can do that and yeah. you can cut them back and all that but you need a lot of space for that if you have a nice big conservatory perfect you can do that but it's easier just to take a few short perfect. cuttings of them and let the mother plants flower until the frost get them okay great and they're so, lovely at the moment they're actually still blooming still, yeah, October they're still, like, yeah, they're yeah. still flowering yeah, brilliantly yeah now, speaking of um, mother plants, uh, can we split, sorry, can we split mother-in-law's tongue is the next question. You can split her down the middle, as you can. So mother-in-law's tongue is a plant called Sansevieria and probably one of the easiest plants to grow. It actually, the only way you'll kill it 
is if you're too kind to it. Right. Right? Yeah. And so too much watering, too much feeding will kill the mother's, mother-in-law's tongue. Uh, so it's very, well, it's, it's uh, I shouldn't say it's very well named, but it's named because it's got these sword-like leaves or stems. So the plant grows about two feet in height, maybe up to a metre in height, and really strap-like, strong uh, foliage. It's a very simple plant to grow, a great indoor house plant. If you want something really easy that you can just forget about, and even if you don't water it for a month, mm. it'll be perfectly fine. So you water it once a month, you repot it every five years, and that's it. And they can grow quite big, can't well, they? about a metre, yeah. about a metre in okay. height, generally. Um, they come in a variegated form, so it's one with a kind of green centre and yellow on the band. You can get a green form, mm. an ordinary green form, which will grow four feet high. It'll make a thicket of stems about a metre wide if in time if you let it. But it does allow itself, it produces underground stems. So generally if you have it in a plastic pot, the old advice was to leave it till it cracked the pot, till right. it broke or it disformed the pot and then you'd repot into the next size pot. So generally repotting every five years. Um, just be careful with the watering because what, what will actually kill them, all joking aside, is too much water, too much feeding and the plant just rots. Right. So. So a little bit of neglect, Mother Nudge's tongue is very happy. Yeah. And a really simple plant. If you want an easy indoor plant, you know, and it is a good time of year to start bringing plants, we are going to spend more time indoors. They Remember that they excrete oxygen, they take in carbon dioxide um, and, and they just refresh the air. So it's a good idea to have plants in the home. Excellent. Porrick, we're just going to a very interesting question here. Uh, definitely new All for me now. So, well, they are indeed, Clearly. but uh, some have never been asked before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you know what okay. I mean. Uh, but we appreciate, obviously, they're all important to everybody who asks them. Right, uh, moving on. Our climate and la- is our climate and latitude suitable for a wallapini, a sunken greenhouse? What uh, is a wallapini? Well, that's what I need to ask you because it sounds fantastically exotic to me. Comes all the way from Bolivia in South America. Um, and it's a concept. So Wallapini means a, a greenhouse that has actually been sunk in the ground. So it's using the kind of geothermal. Um, and like I mentioned before, like that soil temperature doesn't really vary. And and if you've got a greenhouse that's actually... So the, so the bottom of the greenhouse is sunk down five or six feet into the ground. So you dig a hole literally in your garden. Right. And you create a greenhouse that could be 8 by 12 or, or 10 by 12 greenhouse and you put a glass structure on top above the ground. So you kind of a dome or whatever. Like a it? dome. Like, like, yeah, it's like a, like a pit and, and the, the glass houses, then the glass portion of the greenhouse is sitting on top of the pit. Okay. And the plants are literally sitting four or five feet down, down. in the soil. And therefore, they're making use of the temperatures, the natural temperatures that you've got, because you could have anything up to uh, air temperatures outside with wind chill or whatever mm. of 10 or 12 degrees and down in the greenhouse, it could be anything up to 40 degrees. That that oh. variance in temperature, right? Because How very interesting. So you, a normal greenhouse is open to, you know, if it's at, at normal soil level, mm. is open to the air temperature and then any wind chill that would come. Whereas a wallapini is a greenhouse that's actually sunken into the ground five or six feet down and you're using the natural thermal um, temperatures of the soil to help to keep your plants. So for overwintering plants, for example, like geraniums, you wouldn't have to put on any heating. 
because the natural temperature would be there. So, and you said it comes from South America, is it? Well, the idea comes from South America and from uh, so England. The, that's where it was originally. Right, uh, so kind of was from the Andes or whatever, yeah. where temperatures can Fluctuate. be quite yeah, can exactly. be quite cool outside. Mountainous but region. obviously, yeah, but but then obviously you do have warmer temperatures there as well. You do, but the, but the soil would also help with that in the okay. summertime. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. it's just a, so to answer the question, yes. have we got Sorry. the climate and latitude? Absolutely. I mean, we've it's perfect. We have more of a temperate climate, I suppose, here that we don't get the same fluctuations in temperature. Yeah. Um, but having said that, if you're prepared to put the work in and sink a greenhouse and put it in, it's it's an excellent idea. I, 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 don't, I don't see any I'm reason fa- why I'm you cannot do it. Fascinated with that ballon, Alistair. Uh, love to see a photograph of that if, you, if it ever comes to pass. Separately, um, they're wondering how is aconitum propagated? Aconitum can be sown. Now, remember that aconitum um, is a poisonous plant, so be careful how you handle it. But it can be uh, propagated by division. Uh, so by dividing it and to divide, divide them this is the time of year early autumn I find they tend to divide better so you simply just dig up the plant wear gloves when you're doing it and split the plant with a sharp bread knife cut back some of the foliage and repot the plant and grow it it's a beautiful plant in flower it comes in a whole range of different colours we call it monk's hood as well because the flowers are like a monk's hood um, and a beautiful plant and it's still in flower actually in gardens at the moment um, having said that you can also sow it from seed um, it tends to be a bit erratic in terms of the germination of seeds. So again, in autumn sowing, it's one of these plants that needs the kind of winter chill. It needs the, the temperatures of winter to initiate it into uh, um, to germination. So a lot of burying plants like hollies and cotoneaster, the reason they're berries is that they, the, uh, the birds eat them, excrete yep. them. They're exposed to the cold conditions in winter at this time of year and that helps aid germination and aconitum is one of these plants as well that when you sow the seed you're better to put the seed trays outside into a cold frame or a cold glass house and that helps to initiate the germination and do remember it can take up to six months maybe eight months for the seeds to germinate so it's a it's a little bit patience required with aconitum or so maybe some extra seed but it's also a plant that that propagates well from division so maybe dividing it if you've got some plants or buy some young plants. Okay, excellent. Now, uh, how do we get rid of a brown growth on the driveway? It looks a lot like wet seaweed. Well, this sounds like nostoc, which is a, an algae. Um, and particularly after wet weather, you tend to see, I haven't seen actually much of it this year. But but having said that, it's a jelly-like substance, very slippery, very dangerous, um, and tends to pop up after wet weather. Um, so it's uh, nostoc. You just get rid of it with pack. If you use the pack treatment that's used for moss and algae, and that'll get rid of it. It's probably there because of the wet September we had more than anything else. And you tend to get it in shaded areas. So mix up a little bit of pack in a water can or sprayer, apply it to the area on a dry day like today and that'll see it off. Great stuff. Uh, Jerry's wondering um, what about green manure at the minute? Is it too late to sow green manure? No. Um, a really good time. I often recommend at this time of year if you've got a, an area in the garden that you, you're not intending to plant something um, and you just want to leave it kind of fallow for the winter, sow some green manure. So they come in plants like Facelia. They're sold as green manure. So pop into your local garden centre, ask them for a packet of green manure. You simply rake the soil over, shake the seed on. It'll germinate in about three to four weeks' time mm-hmm. and then it'll grow over the winter period. There's a lovely plant called Facelia, which is well, well worth growing, um, or red clover is another quite good uh, green manure. And what they effectively do is help to keep the weeds from growing. They compete with the weeds over the winter, but more importantly, when they come into flower in the spring, they're brilliant for pollinating insects. And you simply dig them back into the soil. They add much needed 
nutrition to the soil and you sow your potatoes or your carrots or whatever into that piece Excellent. of ground. Next Fantastic. Season. Now my mop head hydrangeas are doing fine but they're getting too tall. If I cut the tops off them will they not flower for next year or what's the way to approach that? Okay, so these are the traditional mop head uh, hydrangeas which didn't flower really well this year because they were nipped in the spring with the late frost. Um, now if you've got two choices really. The way normally to prune them is you prune them in March so you leave them alone for the winter. In March you just take out the shoots that bore the flowers this year. So the old wood you follow that right back to soil level and cut it out leaving the young shoots to continue to grow on in the spring and flower this in, in the summer of 2021. That's the traditional way. But if you've got a big old hydrangea that's got out of hand my advice really is to cut it really severely back in March. I mean, treat it like a rose bush and go back to within a foot of soil level. What will happen is, a bit like what happened with the frost this year, mm. it'll kick back into growth. You get lovely, strong, young, new growth, no flowers for next season. But the following summer, you'll get all those shoots will bear blooms. So if it's an old raggedy plant that needs to be regenerated, then leave it till March, cut it severely back, back to within a foot of soil level, feed it, let it regrow. You'll have no flowers in 2021, but you'll have lots of new shoots in 2022, is it? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and you'll have a healthy young plant that you've got back into proper kind of shape again. Okay, great. Now, I have a laurel or azalea. I'm not sure. It's okay. about three. Well, they're both fairly different, I think, are they? They are. They uh, are they, two different uh, plants. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it's about three foot tall. It never flowers fully, even though there are lots of buds on the shrub. It gets plenty of sunshine. Do you think if I cut it back to a lower height, it would help? Uh, and uh, this listener enjoys Yeah, it depends the what the plant is. I, it could be a camellia as well. It sounds to me, if it's kind of between a laurel and azalea, that sounds like a, a camellia to mm. me, if that makes sense, because camellias have laurel-like foliage, kind of that glossy green foliage of a laurel, and they obviously produce their flower buds. Uh, they're flower, producing their flower buds actually at this time of year, so now is the time of year to be feeding them. Uh, maybe if the listener took a picture of it and sent it in, rather than my text, sent it in by yeah. WhatsApp, and we'll answer it here next weekend, because the photographs are fantastic. They are. We can see them. It's great, yeah, particularly and, when the problems like that. And we did have that. a couple of camellia pictures in earlier on that yes, we were we looking did. at. Yeah. So if the, if the listener could do that and we'll identify exactly what the plant is, whether it's laurel, azalea, or my guess it's a, it's a camellia. camellia. If it is a camellia plant, it needs shade. The reason okay. they have it in full sun, that's not the place for it. Camellias are woodland plants. They need to be in a shaded location. Um, so, you know, if it's in a pot, move it to a, a, sh- a more sh- shaded, sheltered area. Feed it at this time of year with the ericaceous liquid feeds because they're building the bulbs now for next season. And if we do get a rough winter, say around Christmas, January with frost, cover it with a little bit of garden fleece. Now, can you ask Porik, how can I change soil to acid for a blueberry bush? Ah, Good interesting. Great. Now, remember that you can grow blueberries in pots Uh, So you don't necessarily have to uh, put them in the garden soil. But if you are putting them in the garden soil, you can get yourself an ericaceous slow-release fertilizer. Um, So it has, it's specifically for all ericaceous plants like rhododendrons, camellias. You can also add some ericaceous compost. So buy a couple of bags of ericaceous compost, mix the ericaceous slow-release feed through that. And any organic matter. So if you can get your hands on some old garden uh, farm manure, Mm -hmm. that's acidic in nature. It's a pH of about five and it's absolutely brilliant for rhododendrons, camellias. Even if you've got blueberries in your garden and you put a mulch of well-rotted manure at this time of year around the base of them, mm. it helps to keep the ground acidic. Nice. So all the rhododendron growers, grow if they're growing them in fields, will put farmer right. manure as a mulch around the base of rhododendrons because it helps feed the plants, eh? yeah. but also, and it's a slow-release feed, but also it helps to keep the acidity 
in the, the soil. soil. So, because so, it's leaching into the exactly. soil. Exactly. And, it's, fee- and it's, it's, it's changing the pH levels, the lime levels. So that's probably the best way. If you, you know, so talk to your local farmer, see, can you get some real old organic matter and use that? Having said that, you can use the ericaceous compost and ericaceous feeds. And also you can grow blueberries in pots. And here's one for you. There's a pink blueberry called pink lemonade. Well <laughs> worth growing for kids in particular. So it produces pink blueberries. How about that? That sounds amazing. And they're amazing. sweet and they're easy and they're easy to grow and they're lovely. Uh, now, a caller has seen from pink to red a beautiful red flower in pots outside lots of houses in August and September and she was wondering, might you know what it would well, be? Well, it could be a couple of things, but one plant, one red flowering plant, and it was kind of one of these plants, I was out cycling and I saw this uh, a plant called a kaffir lily right it's a cyzotygia is, is the botanical name but kaffir lily and it's one of those plants when I saw it I was kicking myself that I hadn't planted in my own garden because it's a lovely lovely plant that comes into flower it's a bit like the nearine bulbs you kind oh, of yeah. you forget about them till you actually see, see it them. in flower so that's a plant called the kaffir lily it's normally planted in springtime you plant it kind of January, February to flower at this time of year so it comes available with the nearine bulbs so look for that or if you can talk kindly to a neighbour or friend and they can give you some of it, it, it uh, propagates or divides very easily. It's one I'm actually going to put in my own garden for next year. You know, when you see something, you say, yeah. oh, damn it, I should have. So yeah. I'm going to actually get a few of them put in my own garden. They come in pinks and reds, but I think that's what it is, the kaffir lily. They're Caffer beautiful lily. in September, October, right up to kind of early November. Super. Um, now, can you name a manure for a poor hedge and also suggest a specimen tree five or six feet tall? Well, don't put any fertiliser on hedges at this time of year. We're not in the time of year for feeding hedges. Uh, so, so leave that alone until next spring and use the Osmo Pro 6. So anytime from March onwards you can start, once they start to kick back into growth again and generally put on the feeds March, maybe again kind of six weeks later and then finish the final feed sometime in July or August. Um, so leave the feeding of hedging plants over till then. Um, a specimen tree five or six feet is quite short. Maybe a Japanese maple Cotoneaster, the wheat Cotoneaster I mentioned last week, Hybridus pendulous. It's got beautiful evergreen foliage, white flowers, red berries. They're a picture at the moment. Um, other small trees, weeping uh, willows. Mm-hmm. So Capria pendula, again, six foot. You know, now six foot is quite a small tree. The other thing you've got are plants like Euonymus and Fortini red robin, grown as a standard. So outside my patio doors in a pots, I've got two lovely uh, Fortini red robins. They're six feet tall. Nice bear. They're like a lollipop yeah. in a pot. I underplant them with winter violas. Which, Sounds gorgeous. Yeah, and they're easy to grow and you give them a trim once a year. They're evergreen. Hollies come that way as well. So pop into your local garden centre. They'll have what we call uh, standard uh, evergreen plants like hollies, euonymus, Fortini red robin, um, Portuguese laurel even. Um, and, and they can be just as little specimen plant in the garden. Six feet tall, like a little lollipop. They're evergreen, okay. easy to grow, and you've got the and you've got the bit of variety with the with the things like the red robin. I just think they were stunning this year. I saw some really gorgeous fetinias. Yeah, and the trick to those guys is pruning. Yeah. You got to keep trim. You got to be kind of ruthless with them and prune them back. Now, how do we move a bed of carpet roses, or when do we move them? Okay, well they're still in flower, so look at enjoy them for the for the next couple of weeks, um, or indeed if you want, you can actually move them now. So it depends the urgency around it. If they're flowering, I'd kind of leave them for another three or four weeks, and then cut them severely back back to six inches from soil level. Simply dig them up and move them to the new location. They transplant really well. Remember to put them down at the same level, space them about a metre apart. And when you're planting them, plant them in staggered rows. 
so not straight lines, nice staggered rows, so they fill in that carpet effect. Good idea to underplant them with spring bulbs because there's no flowers in the carpet mm. rows until June. So why not plant maybe some dwarf daffodils, jet fire or something like that underneath them whilst you've got the opportunity. But you can move them any time from now on, but do cut them hard back before you you move them. Okay, time moving on, just a ch- time for one or two more. Angel's wing plant, will I plant it out now or leave it until spring? How's your one doing? I, I had never known about angel's wing plants until this year and I bought two of them and they are just stunning. And they fabulous. have fabulous. Gr- one is in a pot and one is in the ground. The one in the pot gets very little attention as you know uh, in my house uh, but it has done superbly well and I'm wondering I know they're not really winter plants so I'm very interested to see how it's going to yeah. uh, manage I don't really have space for it to bring it inside now it's in one of these big old cast iron pots that and somebody had given me yeah. so and it's but it's very happy in it and it has just it's now you can't see the pot it's all a you can fabulous see plant. I love it so it gets this lovely so it's a senecio it's a real it's a real it's, it actually comes from a very common family of plants that are relatively easy growing and if anything the, the old senecios were, were seen as kind of cheap and, and you know not the most attractive <laughs> plants you know not oh, up I there oh I think it's lovely yeah but, but this particular one angel wings as the name suggests it has these wing like uh, they're f- silver foliage. yeah brilliant uh, silver colour fabulous plant in a pot it does produce a yellow flower I wouldn't let it produce the yellow flower because right. it's not that particularly nice so when you see the flower spike on it cut it off would be my advice or ju- let one of them flower if you want but grow it for its silver foliage because it's a silver foliage plant it, the thing that will kill it over the winter is wetness right. dampness so hence it does really well in a pot and if you've got it in a pot it'll be perfectly fine frost hardy wise as long as you keep it relatively dry Dry. So I would move it into a more, somewhere where it'll have the shadow from the rain. Right. So up against a house. Well, mine's against the side of the house. Yeah, actually. so somewhere bright, sunny, but also up against the house, kind of push it in. If you had even an overhang of, of a canopy or a, a front door overhang, that's the spot for it. Stick it in there. Right. And if it gets a little bit dry, it'll be perfectly fine. If anything, it needs to ebb on the side of dryness rather than being wet. So the wetness will actually kill it. That's its big... Okay. So keep an eye on that. So at this time of year, I'd be moving it, nudging it in towards... the, 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 the dryness and the one that's in the ground I'd be inclined to lift it and put it into a pot right, into gritty compost and they move that into a sheltered spot as well okay. the, answer, the, the, the answer to the question <laughs> not my question at <laughs> yeah. all whoops what was and, the and I've, I've, yeah so um, I think it's about moving it actually um, yeah. so do, do we plant it out now or do we leave it till spring but I put it into a pot yeah. in real gritty compost and keep that pot in a sheltered relatively dry sunny okay. area if that makes sense very finally I'm just going to draw your attention to the WhatsApp Porek um, and here's an interesting one from Anne in Sligo they have a tulip coming out to bloom already in the garden my god how early is that look at that the flower bud yeah. is on it already and you see sometimes you get the spring yeah. plants like camellias and rhododendrons will often flower at this time of year because they think it's springtime because okay. the weather is it's like it's like a February day or a March day even anyway we're going to have to leave it at that thank you for all of the information and to everybody for all of the questions and we're back again on the gardening programme next week that's brilliant and remember the artisan weekend if you are around on Saturday and Sunday drop in brilliant do drop in uh, standby Michael Neary is coming your way next here on Midwest Radio with the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon and uh, all going well I'll be back again next Saturday just after seven until then Good morning to you.